Good evening. This is a presentation of Movement Radio. Welcome to another edition of The Hauntings of. And now, here are your hosts, Chip Hazard and Talon Williams. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Hauntings of right here on Movement Radio. My name is Talon Williams alongside Chip Hazard. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we will be discussing the hauntings of the state of Washington. So, Chip, what can we look forward to today's episode? Well, some people would say that Washington is one of the most beautiful states in all of North America. Thanks to an abundance of natural lakes, lush forests, and historical landmarks. However, lurking behind that beauty is a much deeper, darker side involving some particularly creepy paranormal hotspots. So let's not waste any time and let's take a closer look at some of the most haunted places in the state of Washington. And we're going to kick it off tonight, ladies and gentlemen, with the Campbell House. And this is in Spokane, Washington. Excuse me. Now, the Campbell House is one of Washington's most well-known historical landmarks. It was designed and built by Kirkland K. Cutter in 1889 and was the first it was first owned by I'm going to butcher this name. Amon Amon Amasa. Amasa Baselli Campbell. There you go. Amasa. Yep. I'll just say ABC. Anyway, right. <laughs> hey, but, <laughs> but real quick, try try to say Kirtland K. Cutter 10 times real fast. Kirtland K. Cutter. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm going to fuck around and say a word I shouldn't say. Right. Uh, but anyway, there is a very sad history attached to this house. In the early 1900s, three of Campbell's children were murdered by a burglar who also kidnapped the fourth child. Shit. But the child was never returned. With such a tragic past, it is hardly surprising that the Campbell House is one of the most haunted places in the state of Washington. Visitors describe feeling describe a feeling of very unsettling on entering the house and often overcome with dread. There is a portrait of um Amasa Campbell in the house that is said to follow visitors with its eyes as they wander the house, perhaps looking to see if the kidnapper ever returned. Ooh, very tragic. Um, yeah, like stories like this fucking like eat away at me, you know, because you know I got two kids, you got two kids, you know. It's it's just it it's heart wrenching to to know that three kids were murdered and then a fourth it was kidnapped and that child never returned that's tragic so yeah it would definitely in in the realm of spiritual in the, in the realm of the paranormal yeah if anyone visits this house they would get at get that unsettling disturbing you know something's not right feeling oh for sure um I, I, as a parent, and I'm not saying that, that this lady uh, or, or gentleman, I'm not sure, Amasa, did did it say that was a, a woman or a, a man? I don't, think, I, don't, um, I don't think it did. Uh, either which way, I, I'm not saying that they didn't, but if somebody broke into my house and murdered, okay, so I have two kids, murdered one of my kids and kidnapped the other, there is no place on God's green earth that whoever did that would be safe. I would uh, I would turn over every stone. I would break down every door that I could to Absolutely. find my child. And then 
I'd go to prison because I'd murder that motherfucker. Just, right. I mean, that's although just I, being although, real. I'll, although I do think that you'd get off on a justifiable, but even then, even if you're yeah. getting off on a justifiable, is the fact that you lost one of your children. Exactly. And that would, I mean, and that would eat, that would eat, eat anybody up. The fact, I mean, three children was murdered and then the fourth one taken you know, probably, you know what? The, the fourth child probably got murdered as well, you know, and they probably never found him. Yeah. You know? uh, so. But I have heard and seen uh, like movies and videos of these portraits where like you walk in and the eyes are facing one way. And if you stare at it as you walk by, it, it appears that the, as if the eyes are following you. Uh, yeah. And it's some of the creepiest shit that, that you've ever seen. Like, in the videos that I've seen, I've watched them and I'm like, okay, are my mind, is my mind really playing tricks on me or did them eyes really just move? Right. You know, um, the, now a lot of people say that about the Mona Lisa, uh-huh. um, the Mona Lisa, for those of you who don't know, and it, why wouldn't you know, uh, the Mona Lisa was a very famous portrait that was painted by Leonardo da Vinci. Um, it's actually located in the Louvre in, uh, Paris. Correct. And if you actually, I've heard several accounts of people walking past the painting and looking at it, and they could have swore that Mona Lisa was following them the entire time that they were inside. Um, ironically enough about the Mona Lisa itself, excuse me, it is considered one of the most valuable paintings in the world, and it holds the Guinness Book of World Records for the highest known insurance value in history at $100 million. Now, that was back in 1962. The equivalent of that in 2021 is $870 million. Good Lord. Yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of money in pushing paint, let me tell you. Well, to the right people, the right, to the right people, you know, you can sell, you know, a painting or whatever. Um, but nevertheless, that being said, let's move on to the very next one. You got it? I, I do. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the Black Diamond Cemetery. Mm. Um, so the very fact that Black Diamond Cemetery is a burial ground makes it a little creepy. But when you add the fact that this is actually one of the most haunted locations in Washington, it really kicks the spook factor up a few notches. It has been said that visitors have heard whistling and voices when nobody else is around. There have also been reports of the swinging lanterns of dead coal miners seen on foggy nights. Oh. Um, now, unfortunately, that is all that Haunted Rooms America has for us. But through the technology of the internet uh we can find something else uh at at a uh, a website called um onlyinyourstate.com uh it says that uh, the black diamond cemetery is one of washington's spookiest cemeteries a cemetery is not an inherently creepy place in fact some of them can be quite peaceful but if you've ever walked around washington's black diamond cemetery you may have gotten the feeling that something is a little off and you wouldn't be the only one 
this cemetery has quite a haunted history. Uh, and it does say that during these uncertain times, please keep safety in mind and consider adding destinations to your bucket list to visit at a later date. Mm. Uh, so while the Black Diamond Cemetery is far from its only attraction, it's certainly the most notorious spot. Um, it's even listed on the National Register of Historic Places. One grave contains the remains of eight miners who were killed in the Lawson mine explosion in November of 1910. And some visitors have reported seeing a white phantom horse and swinging lanterns, while others claim that they have heard whistling from the miner's ghost. Ooh. And it's tough to deny that you'll experience the feeling of being watched as you walk around the grounds. Yeah. Uh, while no concrete evidence has ever come from this, the investigators have all experienced enough strange phenomenons to assume this cemetery is definitely haunted. Uh, and then it goes on to say that the, the Black Diamond Cemetery was established by the Black Diamond Coal Mining Company as both a company and a community cemetery whether or not you believe in the paranormal it's still a fascinating place to explore hmm you can <laughs> right interesting it's, it's very interesting um the fact that i mean because we've talked about coal miners in previous episodes um I mean, in, in, in my, in, you know, there is a whole lot of mining going on also in, in Washington State as well. Um, the fact that, you know, you can still see the swinging lanterns from the dead coal miners and the foggy nights and, you know, like that's, it, it's like a weird, creepy, it, like you, if you just imagine it, like just try to just have that image in your head, you know, just walking with the lanterns and things of that nature, like that's like some, like shit you'd see in like a, horror movie or something you know what i mean like some right. night of the living dead shit only you know they're they, they're swinging their lanterns or whatever but yeah that's, that's very that's interesting crazy. and if you look at the picture i mean the even the picture itself looks creepier than hell um uh and if anybody wants to check out this picture chip where can they go uh as always check out hauntedrooms.com we're not sponsored one day we hope to be Exactly. Shout out to you, Haunted Rooms America, for all of our content. And uh, with that being said, though, we're going to kick it to the next one. And uh, this is University Heights, and this is actually in Seattle, Washington. Now, University Heights in Seattle was one at one time a school, but it has since been converted into a community center. It is also considered to be one of the most haunted buildings in Washington, thanks to the spirit of a little boy who haunts the building. The youngster is believed to have been a student at University Heights when it was still operating as a school. And it seems like it seems like she has never left. Why does it say her has never? I, the little boy. Okay, okay, anyway. They really screwed up on this uh, blurb. But anyway, <laughs> he is often seen and heard playing in the halls. However, he certainly does not seem to be alone in the building since many visitors, staff, and paranormal investigators have all said that they have heard the sounds like a small group of children laughing and playing in the building. At least 
the little boy doesn't seem to be alone in this building. Whew. That, uh, you know how I feel. <laughs> the, 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 the dead kids. That, that, um, yeah, we've my, talked about that numerous, numerous, numerous times. Almost, I think, I'll think like one out of, I think like four out of five episodes is always something to do with the kids and it's, it's heartbreaking at the same time. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, didn't, I mean, did the little boy die at Seattle High, or at, at uh, University Heights? You know, that's one thing I see University Heights on the fly research here, ladies and gentlemen, this is what we do at movement radio. Uh, all right. Uh, it says, it says here, right here. Yeah, University Way, Northeast, Seattle, Washington. Uh, okay, that's not what they said, so let's go with hauntings. There we go. Okay, here's something. I found it on a website called Seattle Terrors. Um, and let me look down here. Let me see if I can find Okay, here we go. With a history of the of University Heights spanning over a century, the building is bound by bound to be to be inhabited with ghosts and spirits as a matter of fact it's one of the most haunted buildings in the in the city of seattle as university heights has always been a school the ghosts who reside in the building were exclusively children most who are friendly apart from the ghost of a young boy who died at a tragic death on the school grounds during the early history of the university heights there was a student named brian who was known for being very who was known for being quite unruly constantly misbehaving he attracted the ire of his teacher one day on a friday brian was especially boisterous his teacher was fed up so she locked him in the classroom closet to punish him hoping that he would behave once released the bell rang the classes came to a the classes came to a close brian had fallen asleep in the closet and he was unaware that the school day had ended the rest of the students went home for the day. The, the teacher, having forgotten about Brian, also left the school as well. What the fuck? Yeah. When class re resumed on Monday morning, the teacher opened the closet door to retrieve her supplies. To her horror, she found Brian's body curled up in the corner. He had died of starvation and thirst, having been deprived for three days in this tiny closet. Brian's ghost has haunted University Heights ever since. He's most often been seen in, in the former classroom, usually sitting at his desk, patiently waiting for class to begin. He can also be seen walking the halls at night or hiding in certain bathroom stalls. Several people have been startled by his presence, which they say carries a terrifying aura. Some have reported a deep fear right, behind, right before the ghost appears. Those brave enough to enter the closet, however, where the child died, claim they have an intense anger and deep sadness, emotions most likely brought upon by the tragic death. The, the, the contrast to Brian's angry spirit are the ghosts of several other children from the golden, golden days of the University Heights. Phantom children have been spotted running around the halls at night, eager to get to class. Others have seen apparitions playing in the front courtyard or playground. These these spirits are relatively lighthearted and pay no mind to the living. It's possible that these are residential ghosts, memories of people long gone before, which have been etched into the temporal fabric of University Heights. So first and foremost, 
fuck this teacher for having the wherewithal to put this kid for first of all fuck this teacher for for putting him in the closet and then forgetting about him number one my second well, thought is putting him what, in the closet period period yeah second of all where was the kid didn't the, wouldn't the parents say hey where's my kid you know why is my kid not home yet you right. know like where's where were the parents at you know what i mean like you figured if you don't see a kid for three days you don't find that a little bit you know you would Dude. think that the parents would look for it you know what i mean here's the thing as a parent my kids don't go to school yet but i i, I expect my children to be home at a certain time after school if they're not home I are where, where are my kids at? Like, right, exact, exactly. I, I'm I'm turning over, turning over leaves, some furniture moving. Doors. Yes, there's gonna be some furniture moving in this motherfucker. But that, yeah, that, but that's tragic, dude. The fact that, like, I'm getting all the tragic ones tonight for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, and and it's a fucked up thing, dude. That's really, it's a really, really fucked up thing, and for this teacher to do that to this kid. I mean, yeah, kids are gonna be unruly. Kids are gonna be, you know troublemakers but you know what though i mean it's they're they're fucking kids kids are going to be troublemakers it's the way that it is i know one thing you don't fix a troublemaker you don't throw them in a fucking closet and leave them there to starve to death i mean exactly come on you know just tell his parents what happened let it get let him get his ass whooped and everything will be fine you know right they they something about pain to make a motherfucker listen i'm just saying (laughs) but anyway I'm, I'm I'm speaking from personal experience, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so that being said, though, let's move on to the very next one. You got it? I do. Uh, next up, we are going to talk about the Tacoma Old City Hall. Obviously, this is in Tacoma, Washington. Um, now, the Tacoma Old City Hall has been at the center of various reports of hauntings since the mid-70s. According to local town records... The police were called to the old building on a number of occasions starting in 1974 to investigate a variety of different disturbances, including lights going on and off, noises coming from inside, fire alarms sounding, and even the intruder alarms being triggered. Those reporting the disturbances believed that someone was breaking in, but on each occasion, the police could find no evidence that anyone had even been inside. There were no signs of forced entry. Nothing had been disturbed. And there was no logical explanation for the disturbances. Hmm. Uh, so, what I do find interesting is that they say the intruder alarms were being triggered. So, that means there was something inside this building to be able to you know because the intruder alarms don't go off until you're inside right yeah i mean that's like i mean when you got like um like lasers in the floor and things of that nature and you know right pressure plates pressure plates and you know stuff like that yeah um to be honest with you this one's a little eh i mean because Cause I mean, yeah. Cause I mean, a lot of things can be forced. Like, okay, no sign of forced entry. Nothing was disturbed. There's no logical explanation for the. There's no logical explanation for the disturbances. Um. So, I, I'm not saying it's not haunted, but it, if that's very vague details, you know, aside from you know, oh well, th- you know, this is. Oh, this is what it was. Oh, well, 
it still don't for whatever right. reason like it's not i'm not getting a i'm not getting a good vibe or a bad vibe from this either way i'm not getting anything from this exactly I, to me this one's in Right. Like I said, the the interesting thing was that the intruder alarm went off, even though there was nothing, you know, the police could find no signs of force entry, entry or anyone ever being inside. Right. So that, that, yeah, that one's interesting to me. But nevertheless, uh, we're going to move on from that one to Fort Vancouver National Historic Site. And this is in Vancouver, Washington. Fort Vancouver, Vancouver, say that five times fast. Um, first, first of all, fuck Vancouver. <laughs> you want to tell them that story real quick? Uh, you can't tell it without visuals, right. but you can't draw <laughs> two squiggly lines on a piece of paper. And a motherfucker know that's Vancouver. Period. Nah. It, was the, it was the worst looking United States. Look, look. It was all right. Fuck it. I'll just go ahead and say it. We were all we we're all playing Pictionary one night. It was me and my, it was me and Amy, Chip and Jesse, and my sister Lily and her husband Ivan. And we we do it to where like we don't do couples of couples. Sometimes we do couples and couples. Sometimes we do uh, men versus women. But for this particular day, we just do we just drew random. So if you got a one, you were on team one. If you got a two, you were on team two. If you're on three, you're on team four. You know, it worked out to where it's like me and Lily was on a team. You and Amy was on a team, and Jesse and Ivan ended up being on a team. And right. we're playing Pictionary. So Jesse's word was Vancouver. Uh, so she drew this weird ass looking what was supposed to look be the United States. I don't know. Florida had this weird looking point at the end of it, but whatever. And then she just drew two lines at the beginning of it and then put a dot on the right side of where Canada was. And Ivan just goes, Vancouver. Yeah. And it's like, that's not even where Vancouver is. You know, it, it, <laughs> y'all might not find it funny. We found it hilarious. Um, yeah. At the so, moment, we were in hindsight. It's funny. At the moment, we were like, "Oh, that's bullshit." It was one hundred percent bullshit. It was. They cheated, they cheated <laughs> and they know it. Vancouver. Anyway, let me let me get back into this. All right. So, Fort Vancouver dates back to the nineteenth century, but before that, it served as a fur trading outpost. It stands on the Columbia River and is located partly in Washington and partly in Oregon. Like so many other old and ruined buildings, Fort Vancouver has its fair share of secrets hidden within its walls. One of the most active buildings is said to be the Grant House Art Center. Excuse me, the Grant House Art Center, which sits along the houses of Officers Row. Some of the strangest phenomena that have been reported, including phones ringing when they are completely unplugged and doors opening and closing by themselves. There is one particular ghost whose staff have nicknamed Sully that likes to sit in the cafe drinking his coffee. Okay. Okay, so we, we, have, a, we have a ghost here with a caffeine addiction. Cool. Um, I, I like to sit in the cafe and, well, I don't sit in the cafe, but I like to drink coffee. I like I like me some coffee. Anyway, although you know you can say Starbucks, but that's like 
coffee flavored milkshakes. It's not even a real coffee shop. Right. But anyway, ain't no local coffee shops in bullshit. Go down. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> that being said, though, yeah, I mean, because well, a lot of these, and if you look at the picture that it provides for us on the Haunted Rooms America, very old looking. They almost look like, because obviously it's a. Uh, it's Fort Vancouver, so it's army barracks. Um, at least that's what I at least that's the vibe you get from looking at the picture. Right. Um But I would I kinda wanna know more about the Sully character. Who is Sully? You know, like I'm I'm gonna look that up real quick, like see Vancouver okay. They actually have they actually have its own its own website. Um Yep, it has its own website. You can go to, uh, matter of fact, I don't see if it has a, uh, see, it was a trade depot, blah, 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 blah. Um, personnel, it has express thing, restoration, don't really, okay, okay, nothing here about the hauntings. Let me, there we go, see if that does anything. Okay, and it talks. It, it talks here about. Uh, yeah, it talks here about um, paranormal investigators. This is from the Colombian. Um, uh, yeah, it says. Imagine Jason, Michael Myers, and Freddy Krueger were all going through Jeff Davis's mind as he checked each bathroom stall in the old and nearby abandoned military hospital. Um, I'm guessing Jeff Davis is the. Uh, lead paranormal investigator here um it says right here it says it says a ghost hunter set he set off blah, blah 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 okay this is more about the guy who's doing the ghost hunters not the actual hauntings themselves that's kind of yeah yeah i did find a play i did find one called hauntedhouses.com um i'm trying to find through benefit okay History of Manifestations. Okay, here we go. It says, possible reason for the hauntings. Okay. It says, one always wonders why buildings and structures are entitled or, or have entities uh, attached to them. When buildings are renovated, the entities which have attached themselves to the structure become active, perhaps thrilled that the living, uh, have, that the living have come to their senses and are fixing their places up, but perhaps annoyed by the repairs aren't to be the standard or maybe even just going into business as usual like see this this also is not telling me anything um okay but it says right here it says general paranormal occurrences um in in the three mansions on the property it says entities uh become lively after the homes were renovated um, the living now occupy some of the homes, but feel unexplained cold spots, heard footsteps, and even touched by unseen hands. Doors will uh, open and close at will. Unplugged telephones manage to ring by themselves. Entities who loves drinking their coffee and feel free to help yourself. Freshly made coffee, blah, blah, blah. Um, so basically, this site is basically saying, hey, we can coexist with the ghost. Okay. Sure. Sure. If you if you choose to, you go ahead and hang out with Casper and them. That's fine. Right. <laughs> um, although Sully, you drinking coffee? I, 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 that's a t-shirt idea. <laughs> we'll look into it. Nevertheless, all right. So, 
how are you feeling about this one? Because this one is also, I feel like it's missing and lacking something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't, like, put my finger on it, but it's it's definitely missing and lacking something. Um, I do find it interesting that they said that the phones uh, were ringing, even though they were completely unplugged. Um, that's interesting. Other than that, I want to know more about Sully, and I do want to know what kind of coffee he's drinking, because for him, or what kind of coffee that cafe is uh, selling, because for him to stick around and drink the cafe coffee, it's got to be some damn good coffee. Yeah, right? I mean, but but, but how would you go about that, though? Like, I mean, how would you, like, I mean, do you walk in for the day, and he's just sitting there drinking his coffee, reading whatever newspaper, you know, he's reading, and he's walking like, hey, Sully. You know, he just like, hey, you know, top me off one time. All right, give me a second. I got to cut the pot on. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know how, the, I don't even know how that would work. <laughs> but anyway, all right, let's move on to the next one. You got it? Yeah, let's move on to the next one. Next up, we're going to talk about Mount Baker Theater, and this is Belling, in Bellingham, Washington. Okay. So, uh, Mount Baker Theater opened in Bellingham in 1927. And ever since its first, it first opened its doors, the building seems to have been plagued by ghosts. Mm. So right. just some of the reports that have been recorded here include unexplained noises, cold spots, strange disembodied voices, balls of light, and even the odd apparition. There is a resident ghost of a young woman named Judy. And for years, the theater have had reports of her developing crushes on male projectionists and ushers at the theater. When she picks a crush, they'll hear their names called across the stage or they'll feel ghostly touches on their backs and shoulders. And she's just one of four ghosts that paranormal investigators have discovered there. With all of this strange paranormal activity going on, it's not difficult to see why Mount Baker Theater is considered one of the most haunted places in Washington State. So Um, we got a freaky-ass ghost uh, (laughs) who named Judy who just wants a little bit of love from the ushers and the projectionists. Right. But it does say she's only one of four ghosts. Uh, why are you not giving us any information about the other three? Right. Um, that would be my question. Yeah, like, I want to know about these other three ghosts. Uh, let's see, is there... It says right here, it says for decades, uh, theater staff have reported unusual phenomenon, um, which has led to many urban legends of a ghost. In August of 2010, paranormal investigators uh, affiliated with the sci-fi channel show Ghost Hunters and Psychics spent the night there to find evidence of paranormal activity. It just said that it stayed. It didn't say whether or not they found anything. They just said that they stayed. So there you go. Uh, So on a website called RoadTirement.com, I found a blurb. Uh, 
about this and it says that the historic mount baker theater in bellingham washington is supposedly haunted as most old theaters claim uh when we took a tour we saw the ghost light which burns on center stage at all times when there is no production going on ghost lights are a tradition among theaters and actors the lights provide a means to placate ghosts who either want to perform or who want to watch the best well-known spirit at mount baker theater is judy an amorous young lady uh, it seems judy lost her house or boarding house as some say when the theater was built in 1926 to 1927 she is reported to be interested in young male projectionists actors and ushers one theater staff member told me that judy is a flirt other ghosts who haunt the theater include a well-dressed well fellow named Jeffrey who appears either in a fancy pinstripe suit or a tuxedo. Hmm. Um, another theater staffer said there is a ghost of a feral cat that haunts and hunts in the basement. Uh... Now, that's all they have, but at least there's a little more on, you know, there's the, the gentleman named Jeffrey, uh, who also seems to be um, a, a, a friendly ghost, we'll say. Yes. Uh, along with Judy, who seems to be a, a friendly ghost. Very friendly but, ghost. <laughs> yeah, but then you have the feral cat who haunts and hunts in the basement, so... Hey, if they ain't got a rat problem, hey. <laughs> right? No rat. This ghost means... cats is keeping this ghost this ghost cats keeping these rats away. Fuck yeah, let's keep it. Exactly. Uh so how how are you feeling about this one? I'm intrigued. Um I'm intrigued that, you know, there's I mean obviously there's they've had different um paranormal investigators come in and look at it, a lot of different things. Um it it surprises me from the standpoint that normally when you think of you know, we talk about the ghost Especially from the standpoint that, excuse me, especially from the standpoint that, you know, like the hauntings and there's normally tragedy involved or there's normally some type of malice or something along those lines. It, it doesn't necessarily tell us how Judy died, um, but it does say, you know, she develops crushes. So I'm going to assume maybe she's a flirty, maybe maybe she died in her 20s and she never got to live her 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 experimental years i guess would be the best way to describe it i guess um that way right. maybe she stuck around to like you know you know she stuck around to you know maybe get that i guess I, I don't know and that's just a theory um you know but she's only one of four ghosts so do these ghosts interact with each other is that something you know um and then if like i mean they still do this theater still does shows um just in the month of october they uh then they actually show movies um that you know they're doing a uh, matter of fact october uh, saturday october the 2nd they're going to be showing a uh they're going to be showing uh the movie scream in honor of halloween uh, october 16th they're doing nightmare on elm street and on um on on devil's night october 30th they're going to be showing uh the rocky horror picture show in its entirety so you know, and they also have different things like Amy Grant's going to be in concert, uh, a, a performance by a, a group called Sugar. 
um a couple uh uh catapult from uh uh seen on a, on a on a uh, America's Got Talent's going to be there on the 24th of uh, October. So, yeah, I mean, they still do. I'm wondering if, like, any patrons would, you know, who, who that frequent this place, if they would have the same. Because you know how some places go and some people get an experience and then some people, like, I didn't feel anything. And, you know, it kind of, like, strengthens their resolve if they're a big super skeptic or maybe one is skeptic and they're like, you know, I did feel something, but they're not hundred percent sure. And then you got the ones who are like really into the paranormal. Then they go and then they don't feel any type of experience in any type of paranormal experience. And they kind of, they're kind of disappointed. So, you know, it's, it, it, to me, it's, it's one of those things. Like I would want to know the Patreon's point of view from that perspective. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I definitely want to know like people that frequent that, that will say, frequent the the theater there um how how they feel when it comes to that theater right uh so if you're a frequenter of the uh mount baker theater there in bellingham send us a message tell us if you've had any paranormal activities uh if you've if you're uh, you know a young gentleman or even an older gentleman and you've been frequenting the theater for a while uh and you've had any run-ins with judy uh or if anybody's had any run-ins with jeffrey the the gentleman in the pinstripe outfit uh or if anybody has seen this feral cat give us a shout uh let us know you know what, what your dealings are for for this absolutely. particular place absolutely and we already have we already have one uh lady send us uh one i think it was one of it was uh alaska right that is correct yeah it was one that we, that we talked about in the alaskan episode that being said though let's move on to the very next one this one is oxford saloon and this is in shohomish shohomish snowhomish sure uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Snow Homish. Snow Homish. Okay, the Oxford Saloon in Snow Homish is considered to be one of the one of the top haunted places in Washington State. It has been investigated by a number of different paranormal investigators, and many of them have picked up some very clear examples of EVP, otherwise known as electronic voice phenomena. The saloon was built in 1900, but has been modified considerably over the years. It has seen more than its fair share of violence over the years, especially down in the basement and in the men's card room. One of the most uh, documented murders here is the death of a policeman named Henry, who was a regular at the saloon and who may even have worked as a bouncer on his days off he is believed to be the one of he is believed to be one of many spirits haunting the saloon today he most often appears in on the basement stairs but is also known to pinch women in the ladies room okay okay so on the upper floor there is said to be three more ghosts a man in a bowler hat and three women spirits one of the one of these ladies is a is a madam known as Kathleen, and she is described as an older woman dressed in purple with matching purple bows. Interesting enough, the other lady is named Amelia, 
who was forced into prostitution by Kathleen and who was found dead in a closet on the property. What is it with people in Washington throwing people in closets? Uh, I, I don't know, but that, is, is that like the, the is that the ultimate punishment? Mm-hmm. Throwing somebody in the in a closet or something? Hey, like, look, I, I don't get it. Seattle was on my bucket list of places to visit, but uh, I'm kind of afraid to go there because I might get slung in a closet. I ain't getting slung in no closet. Fuck that shit. But anyway, all right. So after reading all this, what are your what are your initial thoughts? Uh, well, first of all, I want to know why in the hell they're putting everybody in closet, <laughs> right? Um. Secondly, uh, <clears throat> I want to I want to know more about the uh, documented murders uh, in the death of the policeman named Henry. Like, right. I, I, I want to know more about that uh, because you know it says that he's believed to be one of the many spirits haunting the Oxford Saloon. Uh but this seems more more interesting, uh, you, you kind of a little more in depth than anything we've read so far. Right. Uh, but again, I don't. Maybe I'm becoming numb from doing these for so long that I I need more. Right. Uh, and it just they're not. Um. Not, not as in detail me. as yeah. right, right. Um, but I mean, it is. I mean, interesting enough that you know you talk, you hear about Amelia, an older woman dressed in purple with the purple bows, and then the lady Amelia, who was forced into the prostitution by uh, Kathleen, who was found dead in the closet. Is, was Kathleen the one that killed her? Was it a was it a was it a potential John that killed her? What exactly is what exactly was the motivation? Did she just refuse, or did something happen? Like that's some details that I kind of would want to know. But then again, I mean, it would all be speculation because I mean, none of us were there. You know what I mean? We don't exactly know the date and time that it happened. All right. the, only, the only date we know is that the, the is that the saloon was built back in the nineteen in nineteen hundred. I mean, there's one hundred and twenty one years of, you know shit that you know can be said or whatever but nevertheless uh we're gonna go from there we're gonna move on to the very next one you got it yep uh next one we're gonna talk about is kell's irish pub and this is in seattle washington so once known as the butterworth building this former mortuary is now a very popular bar called kell's irish pub uh, it is not only one of the most haunted locations in the state of Washington, but it is considered to be one of the most haunted pubs in North America and has even been the focus of a couple of different paranormal television shows. Okay. Right, right. Um, so if you make the claim of A, being one of the most haunted locations in the state of Washington and B, considered to be the most haunted pub in North America, you got to hit me with some shit right off the bat. Right. Uh, So, I say that as we get into it. Um, A large number of bodies have passed through the mortuary thanks to 
disease epidemics, mining accidents, and violent crime that has certainly left its mark on the property. Just some of the unexplained activity that has been documented here includes mirrors spontaneously shattering for no apparent reason, Mm -hmm. plaster falling from the walls, glasses being swiped off surfaces by unseen hands, and disembodied voices. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm interested. Mirrors right. spontaneously shattering. Like, you walk by and you look at the mirror and then all of a sudden that some bitch just shatters. Like, whew. Like Inception or some shit? <laughs> yes. Like, okay. I, I, I'm interested. Right. Um, The owner also claims to have seen an apparition sitting at the end of the bar which he described as a mixed race gentleman with very thin hands and wearing a suit jacket okay but what what did this um apparition do did he order a drink did he just sit there was he nice did he throw something at you um what 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 happened with this apparition right um it goes on to say that, interestingly, some of the bodies that passed through the mortuary here would have been the victims of our next haunted location. And this is Starvation Heights Sanitarium. Uh, so without further ado, let's just jump. We're not even going to talk about this one. Let's jump right into the next one, Talon. All right, that sounds good to me. This and and then we'll talk about you. both of them together. Right. I think this is actually the first one that we have two that are in kind of in incommunicado with one another but yeah starvation heights sanitarium this is in uh olala olala i'll just say it's olala um washington now starvation heights sanitarium was operated by dr linda hazard any relation Uh, no no relation (laughs) no relation okay sorry operated by dr linda hazard and her son sam but the doctor was using a very strange treatment method to treat her patients starvation needless to say this was not an effective treatment and a large number of patients died these bodies are incinerated within the sanitarium to cover up the mistreatment while dr hazard maintained her public image as a strong female leader however behind the scenes she was evil and greedy Today, the foundation of the building and the incinerator are all that really remain. Well, apart from the spirits of the former patients that are said to be roaming the ruins, that is. Hmm. Okay, so we got, we got to, I got to, I got to, I got to do a little, see, I'm, I'm intrigued. I got to do a little bit of a deep dive here. Hold on a second. Uh, so let's see. Starvation Heights Sanitarium. Okay. Yeah. So I'm um, okay. So it says the hungry ghost of starvation heights, and this is from weird.weirdus.com. Um, uh, let me let me go ahead through. Let me look through here real quick. I'm trying to find what it says here. Um, oh, wow, this is a lot to read. Okay. Um, I'm gonna see if I can find where it says. 
Okay, I'll just start from, okay, it says where it says Washington State Paranormal Investigators and Research visited uh, Starvation Heights three times during during the time between 2005 and 2006, and Weird Washington spoke to their president, Darren Thompson, about some of their experiences there. The first time they divided into three teams, which had which one, which one had a psychic. To keep the destination a secret, they blindfolded the psychic and put them in separate cars. Why? Okay. Um, during the drive, technicians sat next to the psychic and recorded every action and statement made, made with a video camera. Along the way, two psychics felt they were going to a large institution having something to do with medicine. When they arrived at the cottage, the teams removed the blindfolds and the psychics kept them from communicating with each other. Every psychic uh, was to go through the house alone. It says that the psychic named Merlin, uh, Merlin, wow, okay. As Merlin walked up the stairs. <laughs> is, is this like King Arthur's Merlin? or I, uh, I don't I don't know. I'm trying my best to maintain the maintain composure. Maintain composure? Okay. Yes, sir. Um, it says here, it says, as Merlin walked up the stairs, she saw, she, okay, she saw a book which she picked up. Upon reading the title, she said, oh, no, and threw it down. It was a copy of Fasting for the Cure of Disease. Merlin was disappointed because his knowledge tainted her impre uh, impressions. Uh, Darren asked the owners about the book, and they admitted uh, they owned a copy but had hidden it away so that no one would see it. They did not know how it even got there. It says, um, according to this, it says the, the investigators also got some evidence on video and audio tape. One team recorded a video that starts inside their cars, then pans outside where the microphone records a muffled statement made to a team member. The video then pans back into the car where one can, be, where one can hear a strange, breathy voice say, help me. The voice could only have come from the inside of the car and was not made by any of the team members either inside or outside the car. Another team recorded pictures and audio outside the house while walking towards a ravine where Hazard, Dr. Linda Hazard, may have hidden victims' bodies. Their audio, record, uh, their audio recorder taped a voice saying, Are you talking about me now? The team members did not hear the voice at the time and continued their conversation. Another voice seemed to have said, take us up or dig us up. During the second investigation, the team learned that the cottage would have been down once the owners, once the owners put the new house up on a different part of the property. They quickly organized the third investigation during which several team members spent the night. One man Tried explaining, tried relaxing in the Hazard's former room, the room in which uh, Linda Hazard died. The man never had any psychic experience before, but he felt like something spiritual was in touch with him. He went into almost a trance and answered simple questions with a rumbles of yes or no from deep in, within his chest. It seems he was in communication with Linda Hazard, who was still in the house. She refused to leave and refused to let anyone demolish it. Her spirit was wrong, however. The family moved into a college. The family moved, and the cottage was pulled down. Was this the last communication as a result of over, overactive imagination or the final attempt to reconnect to the other side? Wow. Hmm. So, That's interesting. Yeah. And... um. 
this lady doesn't look like a happy person, honestly. Um, it, it talks it, and it talks a lot about how uh, starvation. There was actually a book, <clears throat> excuse me, written um, by author uh, Greg Olson. Uh, he researched the full story of Linda Hazard and her sanitarium. Um, and in nineteen and in the nineteen nineties, he took Weird Washington author uh, Jeff Davis on a visit to the former location. At the time, family of two, a family with two children, were actually living in the in the house at the time. So, huh? Yeah. But then you have all of those bodies that kind of leans into Kell's Irish Pub. Right, because you, you have know. those bodies being funneled through the the mortuary that, uh, there uh, before it became the the pub, which would explain where all these um, hauntings are coming from. Right, you know uh, that could explain the um, the, uh, the the mirror very... spontaneously shattering. Well, not only that, but the the mixed race gentleman with very thin hands, yes, uh, starvation causes you, right? Yeah, starvation causes you to be, be to be very thin, and if he's wearing a suit, chances are he was probably buried in that suit, or maybe not even buried. He probably was he was in the suit when he died, so it would kind of make sense, you know? Exactly. Wow. So now I see why they. They kind of go hand in hand. Yes, you know, yes. I think this is the very first time that we've had back-to-back -back hauntings and back-to-back -back locations that were very, very similar, and they go hand in hand with each other. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I I wouldn't mind you know putting that Irish pub on my bucket list you know because I, I do want to go to seattle um yeah, of course, I, I hear seattle is um a very beautiful place to visit but then you couple that with the um you know the irish pub and to see if you know i can get any kind of feeling off of that or whatnot you know right now i understand oh, uh, is I mean, I, I think it would be very interesting, right? Um, yeah, there's one in yeah, there's one in a there's I, I looked I I put up uh, Kale's uh, Irish Pub, uh -huh. and uh, there's actually three different locations. There's one in Portland, Oregon. There's one in Seattle, Washington. And there's one in San Francisco. Okay. Yeah, and then there's all and, and the one in uh the one in uh Portland actually has a brewery, uh that is connected to it, so. But you know, Kell's Irish Pub. It's a restaurant and a pub. It uh, has a a lot of good, you know, restaurants and things, that, or it has a lot of good stuff. Um, uh, fuck that. They got appetizers for starting at nine dollars. Mm -mm. I ain't trying to pay all that much money. You crazy? You at your damn mind? You it's know what I'm saying? Hey, you know what? It it would be worth it. Well, yeah. It, how many it probably, times are you gonna? How many Seattle? times are you gonna get to say that you ate at the Irish Pub in Seattle? Right, especially with it being considered haunted and things of that nature. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. It, it would be interesting. Yeah, that would that'd be pretty cool. Like, it's like, hey, 
you guys, hey, you got, yeah, you guys are the guys from Movement Radio. Yeah, hey, hey, that slender dude over there on the corner of the bar wanted to give you guys a drink. We look down there, and it's the same dude from the from the from the hauntings of. It's like I think we talked about you once. You know what I mean? So right, might, might <laughs> be. Inter- a, can we get a small interview? Yeah, something like that. And uh, no, you you don't do interviews. Okay, that's cool. How'd you get so thin? What's your secret? Oh, starvation. Oh wait. Let's move on to the next one. <laughs> My bad, y'all. I'm so sorry. I'm exhausted, y'all. It's been a, it's been a day today. It has anyway. been a, it has been a long day. It has. Uh, All right, so let's get to the last one of the day. The last one on the list today. Uh, to nobody's surprise at all, we are going to talk about the Northern State Mental Hospital. Oh, gee, uh, a mental hospital. I would be willing to bet that there were some unsafe working conditions, some very shitty bedside manners, but we'll get into it. Uh, the Northern State Mental Hospital is located in Cedro Woolley, Washington. And at one time, as many as 2,000 patients lived in the North State Mental Hospital. A large percentage of those patients would also have died in the building to due to a variety of different causes. Some would have passed from natural causes, but far more died as a direct result of strenuous physical labor, mm-hmm. electroshock therapy treatments gone too far. That's when you turn up the voltage too high. Botched lobotomies. Oh, God in heaven. Complications from forced sterilization. Oh, Jesus. And some were just straight out murdered. <laughs> right? Um, it is no great surprise that with so much death and despair linked to the property, it has become one of the most haunted places in the entire state. Right? Um... There have been various reports of paranormal activity, including one of the most common sightings, an apparition of a nurse pushing a male patient in a wheelchair. Other common reports include shadow figures, disembodied screams, and cold spots. Right. (sighs) Now, unfortunately... That's all they have. (laughs) That's all they have. Haunted Rooms America has failed us. Yet again, uh, with... but we still love you. We still love you, Hunter. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but through the power of the good old intranet, we are going to go to. And if you look at the picture that it actually provides for us on Haunted Rooms America, to me that that looks it looks like a damn barn, like 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 somebody's like. Like a barn and a couple, like or or something. It, like there's a stable. Look like maybe some, where some horses would, would would be. Like it don't look like a a, hos, a hospital. It looks like a damn, like somebody's farm or something. It it does, it does. Uh, but we're gonna go and we're gonna look at a site called, uh, ghostkagit dot com. That's g o s k a g i t dot com. Uh, and this is an article that says the popular sci-fi channel reality show Ghost Hunters 
landed in Sidra Woolly several weeks ago to look into some activity at the long-closed North State Hospital site. Uh, Adrena D'Amato, Sci-Fi's director, says, We've heard reports of some paranormal activities over the years. Uh, now, the North State Hospital opened for admittance of mental patients in late 1912 as a farm colony on an 800-acre site four miles northeast of town and now houses the North Cascades Job Corps Center. Hmm. Okay. According to the Skagit River Journal, uh, at its peak in the 1950s, the complex <laughs> grew to more than 1,200 acres and featured a pig farm, a milking herd, bakery, a pit silo to make the facility completely self-contained and feed its 2,700 residents. Uh, as medicine advanced and more emphasis was placed on outpatient treatment of the mentally ill, the North State Hospital was closed in 1973 by order of then-Governor Dan Evans. After visiting the historic main building for filming, Ghost Hunter production crews came to the Sandrino Woolley Museum to speak with President Carolyn Freeman and two former nurses of the hospital, Gloria Lausch and Nancy Kittner, both of Sidro Woolley. Although Kittner and Lausch missed their moment in front of the camera, they had some interesting comments about the hospital. Lausch said, I never heard of any ghosts anywhere up there. Uh, and she was a nurse at the Northern when it closed. People say there's stuff in the basements. I've been there. The only thing in those basements is heating pipes, Kittner said. I'd like to know why people think it's haunted. Despite the skepticism, the sci-fi crew examined records and pictures of the original institution that are housed within a museum. Whether or not we find something, it's still very likely to be part of the show, uh, Diamato said. After we're done, we'll come back and do a big reveal of the findings, and sometimes it's more compelling than others. Ghost Hunters with investigators Jason Halls and Grant Wilson will begin its fourth... Okay. Um, that was uh, a whole lot for nothing. <laughs> I they were going to give me a little bit more detail than what they, uh, what you, what you thought they were. Yeah. Uh, da, da. Let's see. No, that's not it. Okay. Here we go. I bet there's something here, something interesting. We're going to go back to onlyinyourstate.com. There you go. Overliable. <laughs> they uh, they seem to have some good information most of the time. Uh, now, this article was written in June on June 17th of this particular year, 2021. Uh, so it says, This creepy asylum in Washington, Washington is still standing and still disturbing. Uh, the Northern State Mental Hospital in Sandrino Woolley has an absolutely fascinating history. Established in 1909, the hospital was a self-sufficient facility with a number of production buildings, including a 700-acre farm. 
After it closed down in 1973, the property was handed over to the county to turn into a recreation area. Mm-hmm. Some parts of the complex are still used for Job Corps, while other buildings are open for the public to explore. Some have been lucky enough to tour inside and have thankfully shared these photos for a closer look at the abandoned asylum in Washington. Um, now, some of the photos that, that are listed here at Only in Your State are really interesting. Uh, but it goes on to say, are you interested in exploring abandoned places in Washington? This abandoned asylum is a fascinating one to explore. Back in 1909, Washington had two mental hospitals getting overcrowded. Western State in Steelycomb and Eastern State in Medical Lake near Spokane. Instead of making these facilities bigger, the state decided to build a third mental, mental institution. And in 1911, North State officially opened its doors in Sidra Woolley and quickly became the largest asylum in the state. Patients would be sent here from the eight northwesternmost counties, including Skagit, Whatcom, Snohomish, King, Jefferson, San Juan, Clalam, and Island. Uh, Northern State treated their patients with occupational therapy in hopes that physical labor on the farm would help their recovery. However, they also used a number of other unethical techniques to cure mental illnesses like electroshock therapy and lobotomies. Many patients were enrolled in training to prepare them for their eventual release from the hospital. Several were also sterilized following century-old beliefs that the quote-unquote treatment was not only for their own good but for society as well uh reading into that that means that if they are mentally ill and they reproduce they will possibly reproduce a mentally ill person yeah and and back then uh clearly they didn't want that of course Uh, not yeah so while they're were some people enrolled with mental illnesses, it's incredible to look back at all the causes that sent people to this institution. Were they all really crazy? Some men reportedly committed their post-menopausal wives, and there were children what? sent that... Yes. Yes. So, uh, anybody who knows about menopause... Uh, knows that it can be a, a tricky and trying time uh, for a woman to kind of get their body back in their own control. Uh, and so some men would just take their postmenopausal wives and be like, look, just, she went crazy. Uh, you got to uh, admit her. But also there were children sent there for what would have likely been diagnosed today as ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder. Will I be dead? <laughs> no, 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 no. You have the high def version. So I got, the, you, I got you ADHD. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, might, so, I, don't, I don't know. I think that makes me even more of a candidate for the hospital, to be honest with you. Maybe. Uh, so by, by 1953, the psychiatrist psychiatric clinic housed over 2,000 patients 
in 33 different wards and was almost filled to capacity. Uh, in You guys can't see it, but in the picture below, uh, you can see the old small lab located inside the old main facility. Uh, there's a ceiling-mounted light in the surgery ward where transorbital lobotomies were performed. Northern State was known for attempting to exp or ex attempting this experimental brain operation in hopes of quote unquote curing mental illness. Uh, the local yeah. number of patients who died here is rumored to be in the thousands. Behind the facility's gymnasium is a graveyard full of unmarked graves which has become overgrown over time. Since the facility shut down, there have been a number of ghost sightings and paranormal investigations all throughout the building. The most common apparition reported is of a little girl with a red ball and a male ghost that is searching for her. Okay. Is, um, it, is it her father searching for her? Maybe or, an older brother? Or, or a, a nurse? A nurse? Or some creepy fucker that don't need to get near her? Right. <laughs> um, oh, wow. So, uh, unfortunately, that's all that we can find for this. Uh, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, you know, as we've said on numerous, numerous episodes, these old uh, mental facilities, uh, they used a lot of experimental uh, practices, to say the least, to try to cure people and everything. Uh, and also back then, I mean, people... We to what we know today about mental illness is leaps and bounds, light years ahead of what they knew back in the back in the day, um, and even and it, and it's still a very it's still a very touchy subject with people. It's still a very it, 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 we're still trying to figure out like why certain mental illnesses exist and what we can do to help. You know what I mean? Um, but back then, back in the day, like it doesn't give a specific date. But yeah, back then, I mean, people didn't know what was going on, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like you said, we have grown leaps and bounds in, you know, learning about mental health and, and how to cope with it and treat it and everything, uh, you know, but back in the 1900s, this was something that was, you know, really, really new and people didn't actually know about it. But at the same time, like, fuck them for not trying to learn and just trying to, quote unquote, fix it. Right. Because some shit you can't fix, you know, right. some shit is just something that you have. It, some shit is shit that you just have to learn to accept and learn to deal with, you know, and. You know, and some people, and, I, and I'm, I might be in the minority when I say this, and some people will say, you know, well, you have ADHD, you have technically, you have a mental illness. I never, me personally, I've never looked at my ADHD as a mental illness, even though it's classified as one. 
And the reason I don't is because, you know, the, so, well, the way the way I explain to people is that with ADHD, you know, it's all all it means is that the right side of your brain works faster than the left side of your brain. So where you would maybe lack in one certain area, maybe socially or something like that, your creativity is is heightened a little bit more in sense, you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, well, a, an ADHD person can't remain focused. Well, if you give it a if you give a person a certain task, that's all they focus on, and it's you know very much like this, okay, this is all I have to do. You know, I, I seen this one meme uh, the other day on Facebook. It says I have OCD and ADHD, which means everything has to be perfect, but not for too long. <laughs> and that, that, that gave me a little chuckle. Um, right? Yeah. It, I mean, know. it comes down to. Being willing to accept it, pretty much. Right, but like a the easiest way to describe ADHD, in my opinion, is either the person is not focused on anything, or hyper focused on one thing. Right, right. And it varies, and sometimes, and and I've even had to have Amy kind of you know rein me in saying hey let's slow down for a second you know and i'm like okay okay you know right and then once she's pulled me back i can kind of gather my thoughts stuff it's like okay we, we back at it again you know um yeah which I, which anybody who knows me knows anytime i learn about something or i want to do something i'm i'm all in pretty much you know yeah. with with it you know um and that's just the way that I've, that's why I think I've, I think I've been that way my whole entire life. It's just like, if I want to do something, I'm all in. And, you know, if, if there's consequences, oh shit, you know, I had to face them, but at least I, at least, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I have to, you know, it bugs me if I don't maintain that commitment, if that makes sense. You know what no, I mean? It, that, that 100% makes you know, sense. I hate telling people no, it, 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 it like, <laughs> but but I've had to learn that sometimes you have to tell people no, you know, um, it's not nothing. That, I mean, it's, it's still something I'm getting used to, but I'm, I'm, I'm you know, thank Like I've, I've said it before and I'm not ashamed of it. I, you know, I'm on Wellbutrin and you know, it's helped me out tremendously. You know, um, some people can't take it. Some people, they say it makes their skin feel like it's fixing to rip off. And I, you know, I've never had that happen, but you know, and then other people seek alternative medicine and things of that nature. So, um, right. That being said, though, um, still fucked up that they would, you know, use. I mean, and I'm, I mean, people. I don't even think people do electroshock therapy anymore. And if they do, it's like not as like turning up the voltage to you know eleven and seeing what happens. You know, you don't want to end up frying somebody accidentally. Like, oops, you know, like no, like you fucking murdered somebody with electricity. You know, you electrocuted them. You know, um, <clears throat> but. I mean, the botched lobotomies and the forced sterilization, like, yeah, you ain't having no kids, you know. Um, uh, so, um, e electroshock therapy is actually still used today. Okay. Uh, and it is a procedure done under general anesthesia in which small electric currents are passed through the brain, intentionally triggering a brief seizure. Um, it seems to cause changes in brain chemistry that can quickly reverse symptoms of certain mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. It often works when other treatments are unsuccessful 
and when the full course of treatment is completed, but it may, may not work for everyone. Much right. of the stigma attached to it is based on early treatment in which high doses of electricity were administered without anesthesia, leading to memory loss, fractured bones, and other serious side effects. Right. Al although it is much safer today, it can still cause some side effects, uh, and it now uses electric currents giving in a controlled setting to achieve the most benefit with the fewest risks possible. Yeah. I remember I was watching an episode of uh, Law & Order SVU one time, and uh, um, the reason Norman Reedus actually was on this particular episode. He played a rock star who was brought in as a as some type of a witness or some type of a, it was a character witness, I think for, for a girl who was dealing with mental illness, but also the fact that the drugs that the, that they were forcing her to take and things of that nature. Um, it, the, his character in, on the show was given electroshock therapy after he attempted suicide. Um, and they, the, the, he talked about how, you know, he's had, you know, he had, you know, childhood memories gone away he doesn't remember most of his childhood and things of that nature and the one i can't remember if it was uh novak or cabot i can't remember which one um but they looked at her and he she said that was a pretty terrible ordeal you went through but after you were done with your electroshock therapy did you attempt suicide ever again and he was like no and she was like and now here you are you're a rock star you have all this money you have millions of fans you have a voice isn't it possible that the electro shock therapy saved your life? You know, and then, but then that brings up the conundrum. Yes, this electro shock therapy possibly saved my life because it didn't make me think about committing suicide again. But then look at the flip side. A lot of my childhood memories are gone. You know, there's the, there's the give and the take. And I don't know if the, you know, I don't know if I mean because especially back then, and I, I think this this episode was from like I think two thousand six or two thousand seven or something like that. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, in twenty twenty one, surely the the procedure is a whole lot more patient friendly than it was back in the day. Exactly. Right. All right. So, out of all the ones we discussed tonight, which ones was you more the most interested in? Uh, well, so obviously the, uh, uh, the, the mental hospital here because fuck mental hospitals, uh, but also like the fact that they, they did try to use like physical labor, you know, they, the, the mental hospital was on a farm. So, the, so they tried to use you know, some physical labor and giving people tasks to do to help right. with the mental illness. I think that was a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, you know, <clears throat> uh, obviously the Starvation Heights Sanitarium and the Kells Irish Pub, those kind of go hand in hand because right. of, of what was what. Um, and then for me, it was the Mount Baker Theater in Bellingham and the uh, Fort Vancouver National Historic Site just because I want to know what kind of 
coffee that they were serving Sully. <laughs> right. I'm yeah, just saying. A, a, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it, the, yeah, those are all the ones. If I had to throw another one out there, probably Black Diamond Cemetery would probably be another one um, that was interesting um, when you dig into the facts and things of that nature and, like, the history behind of why the, you know, about the coal miners and things of that nature. Um, so that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for Washington State. And on the next episode of The Haunting Zug, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the state of West Virginia. I am looking forward to this one, to be completely honest with you. Um, and hopefully we're going to talk about a very specific uh, prison that I'm looking forward to talking about. I've talked about it several times on previous uh, episodes of The Haunting Zug. I even talked about it on the uh, Press Start If You Dare episode going all the way back uh to the early days of movement radio yes right um looking look, look very much looking forward to that one uh in two weeks um that being said though um anything you want to say before we get out of here tonight <clears throat> as always check out movementradio.us that is your one-stop shop for all things movement radio uh and i do want to give a special shout out the the day that we're recording this is actually uh my son grayson's fifth birthday and i just want to tell him happy birthday you guys will be hearing this much later but just so you know that the day we recorded this was my son's fifth birthday and he had an amazing day today and i want to thank everybody who showed up to celebrate with him absolutely happy birthday buddy um a couple of quick shout outs before we get out here tonight thompson personal training our good buddy sean thompson um now for in-person and online personal classes, one class is $40, three classes are $90, and five classes are $125. Now, if you get group classes, now the, now the group classes are a minimum of three people required to be considered a group class. You get this for the group pricing. All costs must be paid in full, um, and, there are, and all sales are final. One class, $30, three classes, $75, five classes for $100. It's a pretty good deal, pretty cheap. Um, and if you guys really want to get I me, mean, he's a boxing, cardio, uh, strength and conditioning, yoga, do the truth. Do will help you get in the good, in the best shape of your life. And uh, give him a shout out on uh, Facebook, uh, Thompson Personal Training. Also, check out um, the Chronic Conversations podcast with our good buddies, J uh, Jerry and Jennifer. Um, check out the uh, Warrior Workout Network with Sean and Andrew. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Unleashed Demon, our good buddy Ivan Montanez and his Twitch channel. And uh, as always, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. We are coming down to the wire. We have three episodes left of the Haunting Zub before we go into our brand new, uh, our brand new um, episodes that we're going to be talking series. about. Brand new series. Yes, I, I was thinking. Of, I was trying to think of the right word. I couldn't think of it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, we got a brand new series coming up afterwards. Um, and this won't be the. We got three episodes left of just the current united states that uh hauntings but we we might pop up every once in a while maybe do some hauntings of canada mexico england a couple of other places um but for now we're just focused on the states here and uh yeah we're looking forward in two weeks to west virginia and it's going to be a pretty cool uh pretty cool time and i hope you guys i hope i hope you guys have enjoyed all of the hauntings uh that we've presented to you guys so far and we're looking forward to uh 
next couple next, we got a whole lot of stuff coming down the pike from movement radio a lot of cool topics look uh be on the lookout for the the blink 182 rock retrospective we got coming out soon um we got a lot of cool um ideas coming up and uh we hope you guys enjoy and we still got our you ready for some football go check out the picks and um you know that being said we love you guys we will see you guys next time right here on another episode of the hauntings of chip let's hit it with the outro please do not leave without leaving a like comment share and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform follow us on all of our social media facebook twitter instagram tiktok check out the youtube channel subscribe click that bell to get notified of our latest videos and check out movementradio.us i am chip hazard i am talon williams and this is movement radio god's plan